Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast looking at trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. Today we're looking at Chapter 14 of Twilight, Mind Over Matter. Okay, so basically, Bella and Edward have just been to the meadow. He showed off his sparkly skin and how strong he is, and then he ran her really quick through the forest, and she got really dizzy, and then he kissed her, and it was like kissing cold stone, but she liked that. So that's where we are. And then they decided to drive home. Well, he decided that he would drive home despite whatever Bella wanted. And so we start the chapter pretty much straight away, and it's Bella saying, you know what? He could drive pretty well when he wanted to. and. Stephanie really wants to drive home the fact that there's an age difference. So she says he had turned the radio to an oldies station and he sang along with a song I'd never heard. He knew every line. And Bella's like, oh, do you like 50s music? And he's like, oh, the music in the 50s was so good. Much better than the 60s or the 70s. Ugh. And he says, oh, the 80s were bearable. Yeah, he's old. He's old. And I know everyone fantasizes about Edward. Well, I know like everyone's meant to fantasize about Edward. And when you think of him as a guy from the fifties, like imagine someone your grandfather's age, she's dating someone her grandfather's age. Like it's very odd. It's very odd. And so Bella's like, are you ever going to tell me how old you are? And he's like, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. And she's like, no, it doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm still interested. And I'm reading this thinking, yes, it fucking matters. It matters. She's 17. She's not an adult. And then Edward sighs and then looks into her eyes. And I'm like, you're still driving, Edward. Focus on the road, buddy. But he tells us that he was born in Chicago in 1901. 1901. Those are some good innings. But Bella says that her face was carefully unsurprised. She's like, yeah, you were born over 100 years ago. Carry on. And that's when Edward tells us that Carlisle found him in a hospital in the summer of 1918. He was 17 and dying of the Spanish influenza. And as someone who's currently living through a pandemic, like my heart goes out to you, Edward. It really does. I mean that sincerely. I know I sound like a dickhead, but I I mean it. But you think he would be more wise to not touching other people's faces, but never mind. But he says, oh, I don't remember it well. It was a very long time ago and human memories fade. He's always, he's always taken a cheap shot at humans. Humans don't have good ears. Humans can't move as quick, can't drive as well. And now their memories aren't good either. Give humans a break. 
And so his parents had already died from the disease, so he was alone, and that's why Carlisle chose to save him. Edward says, in all the chaos of the epidemic, no one would realise I was gone. And I think she's using epidemic incorrectly there because it was a pandemic, not an epidemic. I think epidemics are more located to one central region, whereas pandemics are worldwide. But, like, that's just semantics. Like, who really gives a shit? But if she's made a mistake, I do want to bring it up. And so Bella's like, well, how did he save you? And he says, oh, it's pretty difficult. Not many of us have the restraint necessary to accomplish it, but Carlisle's always been the most humane and compassionate one of us. And he says, for me, it was merely very, very painful. (laughs) What do you mean, merely very, very painful? It can't be merely, but then also use very twice. Merely very, very painful. And I think that's probably going to have the opposite effect on Bella because she's probably going to be like, yeah, turn me into a vampire like any minute now. But Edward says that Carlisle acted out of loneliness. So Edward was the first person that Carlisle turned. And then soon after he found Esme because she had fallen off of a cliff and they brought her straight to the hospital morgue. But somehow her heart was still beating. So Carlisle was like, here we go. And so we're getting a lot of the backstory on sort of, well, no, we're not getting a lot of the backstory. We're getting some of the backstory on how to turn a vampire because then Bella's like, oh, so do you have to be dying in order to become a, you know what? They're not actually saying the vampire. Wait, do they ever say the vampire word? No, I'm sure they do. Yeah, Jacob told her, but I don't think Edward ever says it. How odd. Anyway, maybe he doesn't like labels, but so he's like, No, you don't have to be dying. That's just Carlisle's moral standard. But he does say that it's easier if the blood is weak. Easier for them to resist killing them completely, I think. Not easier to turn them over. It's not super clear. And then Carlisle got Rosalie just to sort of give Edward a little bit of a friend, like a girlfriend he was hoping. But he's like, nah, we didn't click. Like she was just never more than a sister to me. And then Rosalie found Emmett because he was having a hunting accident. A bear was about to kill him or some shit. So Rosalie carried Emmett back to Carlisle, afraid that if she had did it herself, she'd kill him, I guess. I don't know why Stephanie's decided to make it so hard for them to turn people into vampires. And I know I mentioned Buffy a lot, but on Buffy, like, you'd bite their neck and then like, bam, vampire. They were multiplying like rabbits in Sunnydale. And so Edward says that Rosalie and Emmett sometimes live as like a married couple away from the rest of the Cullens. But he says they move to Forks and the younger they pretend to be, the longer they could stay in any given place. And because they liked Forks so much, they all enrolled in high school. And he laughs and says, I suppose we'll have to go to their wedding in a few years again. And I'm thinking, why do they have to have a wedding? First of all. They're vampires, so why are they engaging in the human tradition? Like, surely once is enough. Why why have they had multiple weddings? Who have they got to prove their relationship to? They they keep to themselves. And Edward said that they want to stay low-key, so why would you hold a big wedding? It's, It's implied that they've married multiple times for their cover. But surely it'd be more effective to just not have a cover at all. Like, I get moving to Forks and enrolling in school, like, if you wanted to be part of the community and that. But they don't really hang out with the community. Carlisle's a doctor and that's about it. They could have just hung out at home. No one needs to know that they're dating and that they need to get married so there's no neighbourhood gossip. What the fuck? 
that's not keeping a low profile. And then he gives us the lowdown on Alice and Jasper and he says they're really rare creatures because they both developed a conscience on their own. Jasper had belonged to a different family, like a family of predators, like, you know, normal vampires. But then he became depressed. (laughs) Aww. And then Alice found him because Alice, like Edward, has like a special gift that goes above the norm. And the gift is basically that she sees the future. But Edward's very careful to say the future isn't set in stone, things can change. And I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder if that's going to be remembered in future plot developments as we progress on the saga. Methinks it won't. And he says Alice is super sensitive to non-humans. So when another group of their kind is coming near, she can always see that coming. And again, I'm thinking, is this foreshadowing something? I have a feeling it's either foreshadowing something or she's going to forget about it in a few chapters when Alice gets surprised by some vampires. So let's keep an eye on that one. And Bella's like, are there a lot of your kind? And he's like, not many, but we really don't settle in one place. There's another group of us in Alaska. That's who I visited. He's like, yeah, we're pretty much nomads. And it can get very tedious, but we prefer the North. And she says, why is that? And he's like, because it's not sunny, bitch. Like, what are you not getting? And she's like, oh yeah, of course. No, he actually says, did you have your eyes open this afternoon? Which is just as condescending as because it's not sunny, bitch. He says, do you think I could walk down the street in the sunlight without causing traffic accidents? (laughs) Like that's, that's the biggest thing. He's like, oh no, worst case scenario, a Subaru is going to run into a Suburban. Look at me naming cars. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, we, we stay here because it's not sunny. So we get to go outside of the day. You wouldn't believe how tired you can get of nighttime in 80 odd years. And she's like, hmm, that must be where the legends come from. And he's like, yep, <laughs> I don't think so. And also we're just like glossing over the fact that UV rays and like sunshine still filters through on a cloudy day. Like everyone knows you can get sunburnt even when it's cloudy. That's not how the sun works. So if light's filtering through some clouds, like shouldn't his skin be sparkling in the daytime at all times? It's just the biggest fucking bullshit. And then he says that Alice's backstory is a bit of a mystery. We don't know what her human life was like at all or who made her. She just saw a vision of Jasper and then found him. It actually sounds like Alice and Jasper's storyline is more romantic and interesting than Edward and Bella's. Jasper's a vampire with a conscience that got developed on his own, whereas Edward just got pushed this way of life from Carlisle. So Jasper escaped his old family of hunter vampires and then wandered the earth until Alice found him. She like saw a vision of him and then sought him out. Like that's, that's totally a better story than whatever the hell we're reading right now, right? And yet they're two side characters. Alice has had a couple of lines of dialogue and we haven't even met Jasper yet. And we're 300 pages in. But I also think it's funny how he said that they know nothing about Alice's history, but he's already said that Jasper's the youngest one of them all. And I'm like, well, then how do you know that Alice isn't younger than him? This is another little plot hole I wanted to keep track of. And Bella wants to ask more questions, but then her stomach growls and she's like, oh shit, I need to eat dinner. And he's like, all right, let's go get you some dinner. 
And she's like, no, I want to stay in the car with you chatting. And he's like, well, maybe I can just come in. And she says, would you like to? She says, I couldn't picture it. This godlike creature sitting in my father's shabby kitchen chair. He walks her to the front door and then opens the front door. And she's like, oh my God, was the door unlocked? And he's like, no, I was just super quick and used the key from under the eave. And she's like, huh, I don't think I've ever mentioned the key under the eave to him before. And she raises her eyebrow and he says, I was curious about you. And then she's, it clicks and she's like, you spied on me? But instead of being angry, she's flattered. So that's, that's to be expected from Bella. She's flattered that he's spying on her. And he doesn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, well, what else is there to do at night? And I think this is a very odd way to say, I've been sneaking into your room at night and watching you sleep. Because that's essentially what what he's admitting to. And she says, I let it go as I went inside. And then she starts like reheating last night's dinner. And finally she's like, how often? And he's like, what was that? And she's like, how often did you come here? And he's like, yeah, pretty much almost every night. And she's like, what? And he's like, you're interesting when you sleep, you talk. And then she gets embarrassed. She's like, oh no, I sleep talk. I wonder what he heard. And I'm like, why are you embarrassed? You should be furious. He's been watching you sleep when you weren't even dating. Like, I know if you live together with someone and you're sharing a bed, like there's going to be times when you're watching them sleep. That's not creepy. But he's breaking into your house to stare at you in the middle of the night against your, well, not against your will, apparently, but without your consent, without your knowing. And he doesn't think it's a big deal. It's so gross. He even says, oh, are you angry with me? And she says, that depends. And he says, depends on what? And she's like, on what you heard. So if she wasn't a sleep talker, she'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah, she's just embarrassed because he's, he starts running a list of everything she's said in her sleep. And she's like, what else? And he's like, oh, you did say my name. And she's like, how often? He's like, oh, you know, a lot. <laughs> and then he's consoling her and he's saying, oh, don't be self-conscious. If I could dream, it would be about you. Don't be ashamed of it. I'm thinking she shouldn't be ashamed of it. She should be pressing charges. She should be filing a restraining order. And also I find it funny that he's been breaking in using a key. (laughs) Surely he could have just climbed through a window. And I know he's meant to be so quick on his feet with such great reflexes, but I'm picturing Charlie's house to be this old, creaky house. You're telling me that when he opened that front door, it didn't go... Like, how did Charlie not wake up? He's a cop. He's meant to be trained for this kind of thing. And Edward's just been sitting in Bella's room and... She never noticed. She never woke up in the middle of the night to pee. It's very disturbing, guys. And then Charlie comes home. So Edward racks off for a little bit and she thinks he's gone, but she hears his ghostly chuckle. And then Charlie walks for the door and then they catch up for a little bit. She drinks a glass of milk, which was an odd choice. And she says, Charlie sat in the kitchen chair and the contrast between him and its former occupant was comical. (laughs) Like what? Maybe stop comparing your boyfriend to your dad. And so Bella's trying to like hurry through the conversation and Charlie notices he's like in a hurry. And she's like, yeah, I'm tired. I'm going to bed early. And he's like, you look kind of keyed up. And she's like, why is he being so observant? Why did this have to be his night to pay attention? And he's he's a police officer. He's going to notice when someone's acting shady. And he's also your dad. Forgive him for taking an interest. She's always so annoyed at Charlie for taking an interest. Maybe because Renee never really was much of a parent to her. God, I hate Renee. 
But then Charlie starts to suspect that maybe she might be sneaking out tonight. And he's like, huh, any big plans for Saturday night? And she's like, nah, I just want to go to sleep. And he's like, hmm, sure none of the boys in town have taken your fancy? And she's like, no, none of the boys have caught my eye yet. And she was careful not to overemphasize the word boys because she wanted to be truthful with Charlie. And the implication of that is that none of the boys have caught her eye, but a man has. So she's aware that Edward is an old man and she's a girl. And just by not emphasizing a word doesn't mean you're not lying to your dad. You're lying by omission and actually straight out lying. You can't just say, oh, it's a loophole. I told him I'm not interested in any boys and he's not actually a boy. He's an inhuman vampire monster old man. That's not not a lie. And then she's just like, no, I'm going to go to bed. So she heads upstairs and she's like, see you in the morning. And she narrates, see you creeping into my room tonight at midnight to check on me. Like she's so bitter. Clearly she notices when Charlie opens her door and checks in on her. But when Edward does it, she's like out like a lie. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But, and so she goes into her bedroom and she's like, Edward. And then she hears laughing and it's like, yeah. And then there he is. He's in a room. And he's just lying across a bed, just making himself at home, which it may as well be his home because he's been there a lot. Oh my God, guys. Remember a few chapters ago when he's like, how did you sleep? And she was looking like shit. He knew how she slept. He must have known she was restless. Oh my God. Was he in her room when she was having the nightmares about him? This is fucked up. 
So they're sitting on the bed, just listening to her heartbeat. And then she says, can I have a minute to be human? And he says, certainly, and gestures with one hand for her to proceed. And then she says, stay. And he says, yes. So I'm thinking, can I have a minute to be human is a euphemism for I'm going to go take a dump. (laughs) Like, I think that's what she meant. I think she meant I'm going to go to the toilet, mate. Can I, can I have a minute? Because I'm assuming Edward doesn't go to the toilet. Hmm. But yeah, she hops off the bed, she grabs a PJ, she grabs a bag of toiletries and she goes to have a shower. So she goes to the bathroom and she says that she's brushing her teeth really speedily because she wants to hurry to get back to Edward. But then she has a shower and starts washing her hair. She says, the familiar smell of my shampoo made me feel like I might be the same person I had been this morning. And I'm thinking, if you're in a hurry, why are you washing your hair? Put on a shower cap and make do until the next time you have to wash. Washing your hair is not a quick process, mate. And then she gets back to the bedroom and Edward's like, oh, your hair's all wet. And she's wearing these like gross gray sweatpants and like a shirt with holes in it for her pajamas. And he's like, yeah, nice. And she grimaces. (laughs) She's got no game. Everyone knows you need a pair of sexy PJs just in case. (laughs) So then he, he holds his cheek up against her skin to feel warm and... There's a lot of face touching and, and breathing in of each other's scents again. And she's like, oh, it must be getting easier for you. And I'm, I'm wondering why that is. And he says, babe, it's mind over matter, which is the title of the chapter. And this is all territory that we covered last chapter. (laughs) We spent ages in that fucking meadow with them doing foreplay teasing each other with each other's breath and seeing who can hold off and not blow. <laughs> so yeah, it's all, it's all old news. We've already covered this. Why did she say, oh, after the meadow where they have all these discussions, let's have that same discussion in a bedroom. Like, fuck me, Stephanie, let's move it along. And so then she's getting turned on. He's like, what's wrong? And she's like, you're driving me crazy. And he's like, oh, really? And he's surprised. And he says, in the last hundred years or so, I never imagined anything like this. I didn't believe I would ever find someone I wanted to be with. But he's like, but it's not easy compared to this afternoon. Like this afternoon I was still undecided. And I was like, undecided about what? About killing her or being with her? But essentially what he's saying is in the meadow, he realized that he can be strong enough to resist killing her. So he's going to keep dating her as long as he can resist. Great. Or if not kill her, at least leave town again. So that's, that's a concession on Edward's part. And then he comes up with this theory that It'll be harder for him tomorrow because he's had the scent of her in his head all day today and he's grown desensitized to it. And he says, if I'm away from you for any length of time, I'll have to start over again. And I'm calling bullshit, mate. That's just your flimsy little excuse that you've made so that you can spend more time with her. Uh, I call BS, mate. And she says, well, then don't go away then. And he says, that suits me, bring on the shackles, I'm your prisoner. But as he said that, his long hands formed manacles around her wrists, which makes her the prisoner. So that's a mixed message, Edward. Also, there's nothing more romantic than than handcuffs. (laughs) Like, you've just had your first kiss a few hours ago and you're already progressing to handcuffs in the bedroom? God, game, respect, game. And then as he does that... He laughs one of his classic musical laughs and Bella narrates that he'd laughed more tonight than I'd ever heard in all this time I'd spent with him. And I've got the receipts and that's incorrect. 
He's laughed every chapter, always chuckling. And and he's actually his laughs have been light on in this chapter. So yeah, calling bullshit on that, Steph. And then Edward bangs on about how he's feeling all these emotions like love and jealousy that he'd seen in movies and in plays and read in books, but never experienced for himself. And with jealousy, he's like, yeah, I was so jealous of Mike Newton that day he asked you to the dance. And so he says that day when everyone was asking her out, that's when he felt so anxious about not knowing what she was thinking. And that was the first night that he came and watched her sleep. He said, I wrestled all night while watching you sleep with the chasm between what I knew was right, moral, ethical, and what I wanted. And I'm thinking you've already failed morally by breaking into a house and watching her sleep, you big creep. And then he heard her say his name while she was sleeping. And then from that moment, he's like, I can't pretend to ignore her anymore. And then he says, but jealousy, it's a strange thing, so much more powerful than I'd thought. Even now, when Charlie in the kitchen asked you about Mike Newton, and she's like, oh my God, were you listening? And he says, of course, no apology. And so, yeah, he's a jealous person. That's, that's one of his positive character traits, apparently. And Bella says, well, I should be more jealous of Rosalie because she's so beautiful and was meant for you. And how can I compete with that? And then he says, oh, there's no competition. And he drew her trapped hands around his back, holding her to his chest. And so he had been holding a tight grip on her wrists this whole time. That was pages of dialogue since he last put manacles around her wrists. And he he still had that even then, which is creepy enough on its own. But when you pair him pinning down her wrists with what he's talking about, which is about how jealous he is, how he doesn't want her to see other people, how he's watching her sleep at night. Like, that's very abusive. And he just goes on about how he walked this earth for 90 years waiting to find someone like her. And she says, well, that's not fair because I haven't had to wait long at all. And he says, ha ha, you're right. So I should make this harder for you. And then he frees one of his hands from around her wrist. And then picks it up with his other hand. So he's still, so he's got both of her wrists in one hand while he's stroking her hair with his other hand. And while he does that, he says, you only have to risk your life every second you spend with me. That's surely not much. It's like he's thinking, how can I make it more uncomfortable to insinuate that she's at risk of me killing her right now? I know, I'll pin her down and stroke her face. And thank God Charlie comes up the stairs. So Edward disappears and he says, lie down to Bella. So she lies down and pretends to be asleep while Charlie pokes his head in and checks up on her. And then a long minute passed. Again, a minute isn't long. It's literally 60 seconds. A minute can't be long or short. It's the same time every time. But no, a long minute passes and then... Charlie leaves and Edward scoops back into bed with her underneath the covers this time. So they're now doing some under the cover action. And so I guess he's spooning with his lips in her ear and he says, you're a terrible actress. <laughs> About her pretending to be asleep. <laughs> Any chance he gets to make fun of her, he'll take it. And so he starts humming a melody and he says, should I sing you to sleep? And she goes, Pfft, like I could sleep with you here. And he says, 
babe, you do all the time. And she's like, oh my God, you're right. Ha ha ha. But Bella's like, no, I don't really want to sleep. I want to hear more about you. And he's like, well, ask away. Which is refreshing that he's being more open with her. I'll give him that. I'll give the crazy abusive boyfriend that. And the question she wants to ask is why? Basically, why does he resist her? Why does he not hunt humans, basically? And she says, oh, not that I'm complaining. (laughs) I'm glad you're not killing me. I just want to know why you bother in the first place. And he just says it's all about rising above the hand you dealt, blah, blah, blah. And then she asks him about how he reads minds. And she's like, why only you? And why can only Alice see the future? And he says, oh, we don't really know. We think it's because whatever traits you have as a human get brought out in your vampire self. So he thinks maybe he was already very sensitive to the thoughts of others. And Alice had some level of precognition. So that's given them their special gifts. Uh, Again, I, I call bullshit. I call bullshit. Stephanie just threw shit at the wall and said, that'll stick. And... Edward can read minds. No vampire ever in, in the whole history of vampire fiction has been able to read minds, but she said, yeah, why not? And then he says, Jasper's actually quite interesting because he was quite charismatic in his first life. So he now has the ability to influence and manipulate the emotions of those around him. Which again, reaffirms my idea that Jasper would be a much better protagonist in this book. So like Bella's like, where did you all come from? Like, I know you came from Carlisle, but where did he come from? And Edward just fobs her off with a little spiel about like evolution being like, couldn't we have all evolved from the same species? And then there's humans and then us non-humans like predator and prey. He's like, maybe the same people that created the angelfish and the shark and the baby seal and the killer whale also created both of our kinds and bella says let me get this straight i'm the baby seal right and then he says right and they laugh and i was like i thought you were the lamb and he was the mountain lion but whatever she's been a whole menagerie at this point in time and then she says that something touched her hair and she thinks it might be his lips And then she's like, will you be here in the morning? And he's like, yeah, I won't leave you. And then she's like, okay, well, one more question. And she blushes. <laughs> Even though it's, it's in the darkness, we've got to know that she's blushing. And he's like, what is it? And she's like, no, nah, forget it. And he's like, oh, come on, you can ask me anything. And she's like, well, um, you said that Rosalie and Emmett will get married soon. Is that, and she's like, marriage, is it the same as it is for humans? And he laughs and he's like, oh, is that what you're getting at? And she fidgets and he says, yeah, I suppose it's the same. Most of those human desires are there, just hidden behind more powerful desires. And she's like, oh, and he's like, why? And she's like, yeah, I just wondered about you and me someday. And then he's like, I don't think that would be possible for us, Bella. And he gets like suddenly very still. And she's like, oh, would it be too hard for you if we were that close? And he's like, yeah, that's certainly a problem because you're so soft and so fragile. Any moment of me losing control could mean that I could hurt you and could kill you quite easily by accident. And it was at this point that I was like, oh, they're not talking about marriage. (laughs) They're having the sex talk. And it went right over my head. Like she said, you know, Rosalie and Emmett are going to get married. Is that the same for humans? Meaning 
once you're married, then you can have sex because remember, Stephanie's a Mormon. So they just started talking about sex. And here I am thinking, oh, it wouldn't be that dangerous to get married. (laughs) What do you mean you'll lose control at the altar and kill her? Like that's, you're not going to lose control. Oh, you're talking about sex. Okay. So yeah, Edward says, no, we can't have sex because I'll get distracted and kill you. If that's not an abstinence message in a YA novel, I really don't know what is. <laughs> he says, if I was too hasty, if for one second I wasn't paying enough attention, I could reach out meaning to touch your face and crush your skull by mistake. <laughs> that's an abstinence message. Like, no, no amount of safe sex is going to help that. Like, don't even worry about getting pregnant. Worry about getting your skull crushed in. Gosh. And then after, after saying that he could crush her skull, he says, are you scared? And she says, hmm, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Far out. And then Edward says, I am curious now. Have you ever dot, dot, dot? And she says, of course not. Have you? And he says, no, no, not me. So we've established that they're both virgins without actually saying the word S-E-X. That's what we'd read into it. Wow. I was going to say it must have went over my head as as a teenager, but it went over my head as an adult. (laughs) I'm 30 and that went over my head. I thought they were talking about marriage. What a blowout. And he says, well, I've answered your questions. Maybe now you should go to sleep. And she's like, I'm not sure if I can. And he says, do you want me to leave? And she's like, no. I was like, you're going to wake up Charlie with your shouting out no. And then he laughs and sings her a lullaby in her ear. And then she drifts off to sleep in his cold arms. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh boy. So we went from a little peck on the cheek in the meadow to under the cover snuggling with the caveat that if it got any further than that, he would crush her skull. So this was some classic Twilight, a mix of romance with death threats. And where else do you get that? So next chapter is called The Cullens. Finally, finally, I want to sit down and hang out with the Cullens. Yeah, I guess their relationship's just going to keep progressing and he's just going to keep watching her sleep and cuddling. Poor Charlie's none the wiser. Got to spare a thought for Charlie in that situation. Anyway, let me know what you think of this chapter. Did, did it creep you out? Like, how would you react if you found out that someone had been watching you sleep for months. Let me know. Email me at breakingdownpod at gmail.com or send me a tweet to podbreakingdown on Twitter. If you haven't yet, please like and subscribe and rate and review. And I guess I'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.